greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 17. sure what all prompted this message. Uh, I would say probably a combination of the news and getting old. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, You look at the news and you see the moral deterioration of our culture. And you wonder where where it all end. You wonder what God's thinking as He looks down on this world. Um, you wonder where His mercy and judgment cross. How long it will be till Christ comes. And then uh, maybe the old part, getting old part, you know. uh, I find myself driving down the road and uh, I drive by a lot that, yeah, I kind of always thought, you know, children all get married and, you know, this big lot and big house, you don't need it anymore and it's just lot that somebody has a camper on and maybe maybe if that come up for sale, you know. A little grove of trees and, you know, no house on it and put a little house on there and that's where you retire or whatever. And yeah, I find myself, you know, it's like I eh, getting old enough, I don't know if I can do that or and I find myself thinking, well, different things. Well yeah, I dream that maybe I could do this sometime in life, and it's like, well, at this point, that's might as well forget that one, and uh, something else, you know, you might as well forget that, you know, it's like I ain't got the strength and the stamina to do cert this or that or the other anymore, and and so it's kind of like dying to some of your dreams or whatever, and thinks that. Things you probably thought you could have did, and you had all kinds of energy to do, and and then you, and then I think about well, you know, it's like yeah, it's, I don't want to get old either, but and no stopping that. So you know, our natural tendency is well, I watch people get old. Like I don't want I don't want to go there. So what's the option? You know, you want the easy way out. So what's the easy way out? Well, the Lord returned. Okay, so so if, you know the Lord could return because of deterioration of our culture. You know, I wish the Lord returned so I don't have to get old. And uh, but the the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter where we are in life. Well, we have a lot of hopes and dreams left 
or whether we're shedding them off one by one, or whether we're developing them, <clears throat> the return of the Lord is, st is, still, is still there. Absolutely. Whether, whether, however we evaluate what God would be thinking about this mess down here, or whether we're young or whether we're old, that's not going to really, you know, whenever God decides that Christ is going to return, that's when he's going to return. And so, Luke 17, verse 20. Uh, the Pharisees want to know when the kingdom's going to come. Well, that's the question they're talking about this morning. Well, when's Jesus going to come? Now, they had a little different maybe a little difference of perspective. They're asking the question, but when they, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, in verse 20, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not, not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. He said unto the disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. They shall say to you, See here, see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffered many things and be rejected of his generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage till the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which is shall be upon the housetop and is stuffed in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him not return back remember Lot's wife whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it I tell you in that night there shall be two men in one bed and one shall be taken and the other left two <coughs> women shall be grinding together the one shall be taken and the other left two men shall be in the field the one shall be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither the eagles shall be gathered together. So Jesus is talking about his return. He's talking about judgment, and how judgment comes suddenly upon the wicked. Um, in that little talk he gave there he makes a little statement 
three words remember Lot's wife and that's the title of this morning's sermon remember Lot's wife so what does Lot's wife have to do with the return of Christ if you turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis 19 we'll just go back and quickly review <coughs> the time that uh, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah I'm not sure exactly what happened there that day uh, Aiden Troyer from Holmes County at the Bible meetings at our church in Ohio. And he said he did a little research on it, and uh, some would think that burning pitch fell from heaven. Tar. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. We're just going to break in here in verse 12. Uh, the men that came to visit Lot, the men said unto Lot, How hast thou here any besides, son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out, spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest, they be, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them, and they brought them forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord, behold now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little more, a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither. For I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of 
sure about Lot. If you look at that interaction there, Aiden Troyer also said that he had heard someone say, where there is one Abraham, there is a thousand lots. Now he said, I hope that's not true. Lot was quite an individual. He was living in that situation. Unbelievable behavior. You know the account when the men were knocking on his door and what he offered them. Unbelievable. The behavior of Lot. In this little transaction, they said, Get out and head for the mountains. You know what Lot's reply was? Oh, not so, my Lord. You think about that. Somebody told you you're going to die and you had to go to the mountain. We're going to destroy this place. The only safe place is a mountain. Will you argue with them? Oh, no, 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 my Lord. No, my Lord. No, my Lord. Does that make sense? No, my Lord. It should have been, yes, my Lord. So Lot's wife... uh, had a quite a husband. Uh, turn me in your Bibles to Second Thessalonians one, verse three. Gives us a perspective and encouragement as God's people. What I'm going to read here, and in the middle of this, it, it's going to it tells us what's going to happen to people who are not repentant and who not obey the gospel. Second Thessalonians one three to twelve. Just hang on here together. We're trying to try to pull this all together here. It may look like a little scattered. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Paul is bragging on the Thessalonian church. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifold token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to 
You who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore, also we pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a group of people. Paul says, I love what I see in your congregation. I love what's happening there. In fact, I just kind of brag about you every once in a while when I get out into other churches like this this church at uh, Thessalonica is really doing what God is pleased however in that is there some suffering and he says now don't don't be discouraged with that suffering because that's cl that's cleansing you that's keeping you pure and that's a whole lot better. The fires of suffering are a whole lot better than the fires of the judgment of God. They're going to fall on people who do not believe the gospel. So hang in there. Stay faithful. God will take care of you. And God will be glorified in you. So while we wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, what can we learn from Lot's wife? In our pursuit of God, in our pursuit of holiness, in our pursuit of purity, personal purity, in preparation for the Lord's return, Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. So what can we learn? from Lot's wife. The first thing we can learn from Lot's wife is that she perished although she was a wife of a righteous man. Now, as I alluded to, Lot was not what he should have been. However, in 2 Peter 2, if you want to turn there, it says that he was. Second Peter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them unto the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just lie, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, 
For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So, Lot was a just man. It says he was vexed with what he was seeing around him from day to day. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can relate to that. Just read the news. And if you're not vexed, I I wonder. If we're not vexed, then I would say we are used to the dark. Here we have a man. The Bible says he was righteous, but his wife perished, even though she was the wife of a righteous man. The second thing we can learn, she perished although she was warned of her danger, of the danger. Not like she didn't know that if she turned around, what would happen? Maybe she didn't know what she turned around, but she knew that she wasn't supposed to turn around. It specifically says, do not turn around. That was the instruction. Don't look back. The message was clear. It was delivered by God to them. Escape for your life. Don't look back. Special warning. So, do we have special warnings? Does God give us special warnings this morning? Of what we should and should not do? Turn with me to Luke 3. God, through John the Baptist, gave the people a special warning. And that warning comes down to us today. So as a multitude came out to see him, I'm not sure who all was in that multitude. But he addressed the multitude. And he said unto the multitude, uh, Luke 3, verse 7, that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and say, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham, and now also is the axe laid unto the root of the trees, every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So the warning is that we need to repent. We need to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. And while we're bringing forth fruit worthy of repentance, don't get this idea that because I attend Prairie Church and because I came from a Christian home, 
that that's going to get you into heaven. That's what he says. See, our parents don't get us into heaven. Our parents don't deliver us from the wrath to come. The blood of Jesus does. Repentance. And bringing forth fruit because of that repentance. It doesn't just start there. It continues on. As Brother Arnie used to say, the beginning of the, the bottom line is not whether you're born again. That's the top line. Then you add, and then the bottom line is whether you get to heaven or not. So, having Christian parents attending Prairie Church is not a substitute for spirit-filled fruit-bearing. That's what the warning is to us today. Another warning we can find in 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 1. We're talking about warnings that we get that we'd be equivalent to Lot's wife. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and they did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, warnings, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as some of them as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication of some of, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples and they were written for our admonition or warning upon which the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that taketh, thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So here we have a group of illustrations that are warnings to us today as we approach the end of time. The Bible says they were God was not pleased to the point that he scattered their bodies in the wilderness. And the reason was because they lusted, they overindulged in food, they committed immorality, and they tempted God. And I'm thinking, okay, so what is tempting God? Well, I looked at the, uh, the Amplified Bible, and it said 
They critically appraised God. Okay, they looked at God and they said, God's not fair, or God's all God of love, or God is, he's just not just, or he's not, they critically appraised him. And it says also that they complained. Now, that, that's a warning. You got a complaining spirit? I do every once in a while. You know, this, that, the other thing. And you got to stop and say, you know what? There's more to be thankful for than there is to complain about. That's the temptation. God is not pleased with those things. Verse 11 was very interesting as, as I had Amplified open there. Verse 11 in the Amplified reads this way. Now these things befell them by the way of a figure as an example and warning to us. They were written to admonish and fit us for right action by good instruction. We in whose days the ages have reached their climax, their consummation and concluding period. Boy, now that's today, isn't it? So this was written for us today. We are in the end times. Things are not going to get better. I don't say that negatively. I'm saying it realistically. But God is with us who can be against us. Revelation 3 is another warning. Uh, verse 1. Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things which he, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou sh shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So the warning here in Revelation is, now our president uh, is into this fake news thing. You know, this is fake news, and that's fake news, and and uh, I, I get whatever. Well, Christ here is warning us against fake Christianity. You profess that you're alive, but you're dead. So that's a warning to us. That we make sure that we're really alive. We're not fake Christianity. Minimizing 
works and maximizing grace, uh, not having repentance as part of our relationship with God. And I thought about that. It's like, how much repentance has Dennis Martin done recently? Well, if I don't do any repentance, then I'm indirectly saying that I'm perfect. Right? So how many here this morning are perfect? Put your hand up real high. Alright? So we take that. We must conclude for us to stay right with God there will be periodic repentance. Right? So he's warning us against a sloppy relationship with God. He's telling us to stay on fire. So that's a warning for us today. Uh, the last warning I've listed here, John 3.36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That is a warning for us today. We need to believe on God. Now, not just that He's there, not just that He exists, not just that He He's uh, uh, kind of overshadowing this whole world, not just, but truly believe. Name evade me. David Brousseau's uh, fellow debater. What's his name? Uh, Dean Taylor. His, his, his well, I could say famous line almost. What if Jesus meant everything he said? He used that in that debate in Boston. What if... Jesus meant everything he said. Do I believe that Jesus meant everything he said? Do I believe on the Son of God? The Amplified says, And he who believes on, has faith in, clings to, relies on, the Son has, now possesses, eternal life. But whoever disobeys is unbelieving toward, refuses to trust in, disregards, is not subject to, the Son will never see, experience, life. But instead, the wrath of God abides on him. God's displeasure remain, remains on him his indignation hangs over him continually. So, that's a challenge, a warning to us, that we believe, truly believe, that we don't disregard. Well, number three, why should we remember Lot's wife? Third, she perished, although she made an effort to be saved. 
effort to be saved. Okay, she didn't stay in the city. She didn't outright rebel against the instruction. She started. She partly believed, but she stopped short of doing everything she knew that God wanted her to do. She didn't forget the things that were behind her. And the Bible specifically tells us in Philippians 3, Paul says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto things to those things which are before, I press toward a mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Like the rich young ruler, she looked back what she was losing rather than look forward to what she could gain. I don't know. People talk about burning bridges. Yeah, there's certain bridges that need to be burned. They do. I'm not going back there. I simply am not going back there. I'm not looking back. I can't afford to look back. Paul said, I'm forgetting the things that behind me because I've got something better to look at. Now, I don't know what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. But I don't foresee when Christ comes and my Savior is in the sky, I don't know why I would look back at this old world. Like, I wonder what's going to happen to my 15th, 16th wrench. No! Why would I care? Do I have the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in my focus to the point that I do not want to look back at the world and what it offered me, still has to offer me, does that interest me to the point that I waver? Fourth thing, she perished, although separated from the sodomites. See, her body was running, but her affections were still back. Hebrews 10 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that, after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Christians are on fire for God, 
looking for Christ's return, want to go to heaven, don't have time to look back. We don't. We don't have time to look back. Number five, she perished although she committed one sin. And I look at the Old Testament, and now we look at it, we're in a day of grace, okay? So somebody robs a store, and they don't like, over dead. You know, it's like, or somebody, whatever, shoot somebody else or something, whatever. No, dead. Why the Old Testament? Uh, I mean, it's not that bad, just, struck the rock three times and he couldn't go into the land of Canaan. Just one thing. People were just died on the spot because of what they did. One thing. It's like, how can that be? Because in my mind, you know, you would uh, at least have to do it three times. Right? I mean, God says, don't do it. So I do it, and he says, now, I warn you, don't do it. Alright? So I do it again, and he said, no. One more time. We do that to our children. I'm going to count to ten, and if you don't behave, there's a one, two. That's ridiculous. You hear that? So, but, but the children know. You know, Dad will put up with this. I can get by again, but probably I better hand try it the third time. See, this is our mentality. That wrong is not wrong as long as it's not done two or three times. And that's partly because we live in the age of grace. Right? Now, I'm using Old Testament... And, you know, we're going through the wilderness, so somebody does something, and they go, boom. Well, I was like, well, I'll tell you what, whatever they say I'm going to do, I'm going to take that kind of a risk. Because that would be me next. Right? Well, how, how would that affect your perspective? But we get this idea that sin isn't sin until it's about two or three times. And we say God's unreasonable because she looked back and just looks like this and, that, and turned into a polar salt. That's not fair. So give her at least three or four chances. And I, I, I'll admit, I, I, I could never quite figure out why the first time around in the Old Testament people died. In today's Sunday school lesson, David was told, Thou shalt not die. You know why? Because probably he was thinking. He read them stories about one sin, and he died on the spot. 
So if you forget everything I said here this morning, if you forget everything I've said here this morning, remember this. Sinners do not perish because of the number of their sins, because, but because of the nature of sin. See, we have lost too much of how bad sin is, and because of that, we think we should have two or three shots at it. Because it's not—it's just not that really bad, you know. It's like I, I can disobey, or I can do this or this multiple times, and the more I do it, the more at risk I get to get God angry till He's going to. See, we treat God like a. We treat other people. We look at it from a human perspective, and I'm not going to say why God does what he does and how he works this in your life. If you do something wrong, you're going to end up dead tomorrow. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that our perspective of sin, we get the idea that multiple times make it worse. But it's not. It's not the number of sin, but it's the nature of the sin itself that God hates. So, why did he say, don't look back? No big deal, was it? Just because he didn't want her to look back? Yeah, I heard people doing that. No, you can't do this. You just can't do this. And, and you know, they say to me, he said... You know, well, I said that just to see whether they would obey or not. And if they obey, then that means they have a good heart, so then I can give them some privilege or something. What is that? You see, God didn't tell her to not look back just because he wanted to see what she would do. He told her not to look back because it wasn't good for her to look back. And that challenges me. Whatever God tells me I should do, or whatever He tells me I shouldn't do, despite my logic and despite how it appears to me, it is always for my good. It was for Lot's wife's good. All of them. All of their, He didn't just say it to her. But the whole pack that went out there that day was for their good not to look back. Did that tell us something today? Paul's example tell us something today? It's for our good not to look back. Right? You see, God's for us. He's rooting for us. He wants the best for us. He wants everything that He can do for us that prepares us for the day when Christ breaks the clouds and comes down. And so He says, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that. It's all for your good. 
Persevere. Keep going forward. Don't look back. That's a lesson we can learn from Lot's wife. You see, our future is in His hands. God is for us. Don't look back. Ephesians 5, in closing. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is it excessive? Is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And notice the result of that. Walk around, life's so tough, and God makes me do this, and God makes me do that, and I can't do this, and I have to do that, and all this. No. It says you're going to break out into song. If you want a fulfilled life, if you want a life that's dynamic for Jesus Christ, if you want to escape the wrath to come, do exactly what God says. If He says do it, do it. If He says don't do it, don't do it. And if you follow that, because He has your good in mind, and He's working for you, and He was rooting for you, and He's pulling for you, your life is going to break out in the song. My life is going to break out in the song. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, and also brings thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me from that. Thank you, Lord, for directing my life into this, that, or the other. Giving thanks always to God for the things that we like, no, for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.